It's Wednesday, October 14th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 382 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 22 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan, and you are getting a solo episode uh, because of the fact that we normally record on Tuesdays, and then I edit the episode and release it either Wednesday night or Thursday night. But this particular week, we're doing an interview with an individual who is a rules consultant on D&D 5e, and so we're going to be talking to him about Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, and we got some questions from you guys off of Facebook and off of our forums that we're going to be running past him about the D&D development process and some of the specific rules, and it'll be great to talk to him because we figure it's good to talk about D&D as hard as we're trying to be a Battletech-only podcast. Uh, you know, some of you guys are still playing other titles out there, and truth be told, so are we. So anyways, the point being, we were able to line up our schedules for Thursday of this week, but I didn't think I'd be able to get that edited and released that quickly, so I'll probably come out next week. So I figured it was better to have at least one host worth of Fear the Boot than no Fear the Boot at all for you guys. I hope you agree. One quick announcement or reminder, and then I'm going to dig into the topic here. The reminder is that DrewCon is right now going through its fundraising on Indiegogo. I will link that in the show notes again. Uh, once again, this is a fan convention that's being hosted at a Drury Inn here in St. Louis to try and fill the gaps between off years of Fear the Con, or during an off year of Fear the Con. And they are not trying to raise a lot of money. They're just looking for enough to cover their expenses in terms of renting out the various conference rooms and things like that for the events that are going to go on in the games and such. And so if you want to support that first and foremost, I will hope that you will attend. But secondly, I hope that you will also stop by the Indiegogo campaign and throw a few bucks their way. And once again, this is a ticketless convention. So if you would throw 5, 10, 20 bucks, whatever I would convention anyway, then I hope you will consider sending that their way to help these guys out with that cost. All right, so let's get to our topic. There is something that I have mentioned in the past of this show and have always roundly poo-pooed as a bad idea. And my opinion on this has changed because of the fact that I was able to successfully do it in one of my own games. And I asked my players, was I successfully doing it? And they assured me I was. And people like John are not prone to lie for the sake of protecting my feelings. And so I want to talk about how I made that work. And if you want to do this, some tips for how you might be able to make this work in your game. Now, the topic that I'm going to talk about is how do you use a major and established non-player character in your game? Now, when I say major and established, I don't mean major and established by you. Okay, those are your own NPCs. I'm talking about when you're a fan of Han Solo or Elminster, or Gandalf, or whoever's famous in your particular setting that you're running, and you want to bring them into the game, how do you do that without making it suck? And I did this by accident. Or I shouldn't say by accident, but I didn't plan it. Because my intention for their game, this was Big Shock, a Battletech game, but they were playing mercenaries who were in the employ of a particular faction. And during that employ, they found out about some major plots going on behind the scenes and big information and big reveals and whatever. And there came a point 
where one of the most famous mercenary groups within the established canon of Battletech wanted to hire them effectively to get them off the field. And the reason they were doing this is because the player characters had information and were pursuing certain end goals and certain important items. And so I figured I would throw in a side plot where this mercenary company, uh, which is actually, for anyone who's familiar with Battletech, it's a subgroup called the Black Widow Battalion within the Wolstragoons. And the Black Widow Battalion is headed up by a woman named Natasha Kerensky, uh, who is supposed to be one of the best mech pilots, tacticians that the human race has ever produced. Okay, she is probably the single biggest name in the Battletech intellectual property. And I had a plot point where she was going to make an attempt to basically buy out their contract simply to bench them to reduce the competition for what it was she was pursuing. And I expected, well, of course, players are always a willful bunch who want to do their own thing and go their own way. So surely they're not going to accept this buyout offer. And I had put in some other NPCs that were offering to fund them to keep pursuing this on their own. Player characters love independence. This is what they're going to do, of course. Well, not so much. They actually accepted the buyout offer. And now all of a sudden, I had a point in the campaign where the party was intimately associating with somebody who's a major famous character of the setting. So once again, for Battletech, this is somebody who's on level with a Han Solo or a Captain Kirk or something like that. And all of a sudden, I'm left trying to figure out how do I bring in somebody that famous and that powerful without making it a giant wank about the character where I expect the player characters to just sit there in awed silence as this wonderful person goes out and does it all. All right, and so I came up with some strategies for approaching this that worked, and I want to run these past you guys. Now, some of these are going to overlap a bit, all right? That's just the way it is, but I believe there's an important nuance between them so that even though they're going to overlap somewhat, I don't think they overlap completely. So let me work you through the things that I considered as I was using this character. First, most important question is why is this character even there in the first place? If you've got somebody where you want the party just to, once again, be an odd silence of the fact that they get to hang out with so-and-so that you're a huge fan of, don't do it. If they're really a big fan of this character, they can go read books or watch movies or wherever it is you get this character from. These people came to your game because they want to participate in your story about their characters. So if you don't have a good reason to include this character, other than the fact that you think it's so badass and it's a life dream of yours to hang out with Spock or whatever, then this is a bad idea. So make sure you have a cogent reason why this character is there. Once again, in my case, it was because of the fact that she was competing for the same prize and was trying to buy them out, and I never intended the party to actually end up closely tied to her. I certainly didn't have to struggle with being a fan of the character, because to be honest, I'm not really a big fan of Little Stragoons. So that particular part was pretty easy, but be sure you have a good reason for the character to be there. Point two. Know the character as a whole character. Invariably, there are going to be things that attracted you to a character and that make you a huge fan of the character. That's fine. But if this is a well-rounded character, then you need to be familiar 
with the fact that this character also has backgrounds, they have plans, they have futures. It's not like they just show up and their aura of awesome is enough to sustain them, right? They're a whole human being and you ought to approach them as such because that nuance is going to be important for helping the player characters to relate to this NPC, to care about this NPC. And also, this is going to lead into some points I'm going to get to here in a moment about the fact that if this NPC is too perfect, meaning you haven't really thought through or you're not dealing with their problems, then they're going to start eclipsing the player characters because of the fact that they're just so freaking awesome, at least to possibly the game master or the people that wrote the game or whomever. Point three, throw cannon out the window. Now, I don't mean the canon of the character, meaning you can be consistent with who the character is and where they've been and what they did up to this point in the story. But this game is a shared storytelling experience between the game masters and the players. What that means is you do not get to dictate the present and future with complete control. So if you bring in Luke Skywalker before Return of the Jedi, the party might directly or indirectly do something to put him off course. And suddenly he's not there at the Battle of Endor, or he switches to the dark side, or he's dead. You have to accept that. If you can't accept that, if you cannot accept them as another moving part of your story that has all of the risks that occur with anything you put on the table, don't do it. I have to give props to a guy that ran a Star Wars game for me and Tim some years back because he did bring in almost all of the major name Star Wars characters, but he did not stop us from interacting with them or changing their motivations or changing their course in life at all. In fact, he changed, I won't bore you with gaming stories, but he changed some really major things in the plot based on what we were doing. Once again, this is about my character, meaning the player character. That's where the focus needs to be. So don't feel like, well, I have to stick with canon because so-and-so has to be there for such and such event. No, they don't. That's what had to happen in a movie script or a book. That's not how your game has to go. Point number four, and this one was easy for me because, as I said, I'm not a fan of the character. That's my advice. Don't be a fan of the character. Or at least if you are a fan of the character, be sure that your love of this character is not leading you to change how they get presented. Okay, You can't say, well, I'm such a fan of this character that they're going to win at everything and know everything and they can't be hurt and they're always right and blah, blah, blah. Look, if you really love them that much, write some fanfic about them or something like that. Don't bring it to the game. You need to offer plausible deniability regarding you being a fan of the character, that you have them in their correct perspective in the world, which is right alongside everything else that's a moving piece in your story. Point five, this is something that I've been saying, and I'll give you an exact example of how I did it on my own game. Remember, this is a story about the PCs. Now, I know I've been saying that, but let me give you an an exact uh, example to go with this. One of the things that I had to deal with with Natasha Kerensky is she has a dominating personality. She has incredible skills. She runs the unit that the team had agreed to kind of subcontract to. And so, by all rights, at this point, she should be running the show. And maybe that's even the in-character thing for her to do. 
If somebody who had developed the character for the canon was sitting here, they might say, well, that's absolutely what she would do. Maybe, but you know what? I'm not beholden to those people. And so what I did was I made a decision that she values their accomplishments up to this point in the campaign. She acknowledges the skills the player characters have. And because of the fact that she runs a somewhat informal organization, she wanted to see them show some initiative and develop their skills on their own. Now, these are decisions I made in deciding how this character was going to interact with the plot. And so what happened is whenever they were on the field together, she kind of hung to the background a bit. Whenever there was time for a decision to be made, she would oftentimes intentionally pass the buck to the players and say, well, I want you to tell me what you would do here. And I played it off like she was testing them. But the truth is, I just didn't want her running the show because then what's the point of the players being there? In the case of that Star Wars game I was talking about, I don't remember if we ran into Han Solo specifically. He's my go-to example. I know we did run into Luke Skywalker. We ran into Leia at one point. But they were always treated like every other NPC in the setting. It just so happened I had name recognition on them. I could tell you who the actors and actresses were. I'd seen them on screen. I've read some of the Extended Universe stuff. But the Game Master did not treat them any differently than he did any other NPC in the setting, including the ones that he had developed. They were always an accessory to our story. Now, maybe an important accessory, and that's fine, but never a guiding piece. Now, point six, I'm going to expound on my previous idea a little bit. If you want to make sure this character is not dominating the game, in addition to looking at how you view the character, i.e., are you a fan of this character, to the point you can't stop gushing, let me give you four specific things that you can look at when trying to determine if this character is going to dominate the game or not. First off, look at their abilities. Do they have abilities that are wildly out of balance with the rest of the party? You know, you've got a bunch of third-level adventurers, and all of a sudden, Elminster's rolling along at level 45,000 or whatever it is that Greenwood has them at. You know, do they have some kind of innate set of abilities that's going to make them so powerful that the rest of the party becomes a rounding error? If that's the case, you need to either tone them down tone the party up, or find a really good reason why they're not going to use those powers. And of course, avoid becoming cheesy here because if for some reason they always, always can never use their power without a really good story reason, it gets kind of silly. Uh, For example, once again, in the case of Natasha, I had her hanging back because she wanted to see how the group was going to do. But also in Battletech, just the way the game works, yes, she did have slightly better roles than everyone else. And yes, that did matter. But Just the way Battletech plays out, that's not enough for her to wildly dominate everything that's going on. Secondly, look at their equipment, their gear. Now, this could be personal gear. This could be a magical artifact that they're carrying around that makes them so powerful that everyone else is insignificant. Or this also could be some bit of external gear. Do they have a ship that everyone is reliant upon that's better than anything else in the galaxy? But look at the things that they possess. Is there something they possess that eclipses anything that the party could offer? Or get elsewhere. Third, look at their contacts. Is this person so famous and capable of leveraging that fame to the point that the party becomes insignificant? You know, it really kind of sucks if you're playing a World War II game and you guys all walk into, I don't know, a pilot bar, for anyone who knows the World War II history here, and most of the party is just random pilots and one guy's Tex Hill. 
if you want to perhaps have a fictional example, Natasha Kerensky using the, the character that I use, she's famous the whole galaxy over for her skills. If they walk into a negotiation and it's the player characters and Natasha, nobody is going to be paying any attention to the player characters. And so I had to make sure that they were never in a situation with her present to where her mere existence was going to detract from the player characters in this massive way. And finally, look at their knowledge. Do they know information about how the world works or the plot that's going on that is so vast that they're either just smugly teeing as the party blindly stumbles through a plot they've already figured out, or is the party constantly having to turn to them for advice and information and answers on how to proceed through the next plot point? Holy crap, is that annoying and infuriating. Point seven, give this character some weaknesses. A lot of fictional characters, the way they're written, do not have obvious weaknesses. Now, they might have flaws. Let's take, for example, someone like Darth Vader. Let's say that you're running a game where they're playing a bunch of members of the Empire. I don't know what they are. They're Empire agents or who cares what. But they're somehow in the Empire. And Darth Vader's present for some reason. Now, Darth Vader certainly has character flaws. He's evil. He's hung up on someone who's dead. He's still interested in his children, which is kind of throwing a monkey wrench into his, you know, master evil plans. But does that play out into a meaningful weakness in the game? Is that really going to make this character stumble when the party is not stumbling, or at least has the potential not to be stumbling? Because that's how real life works, and that's probably how your player characters interrelate. One player character is good at one thing, and one player character is good at another. And so when one's stumbling because of an RP weakness or a blind spot in their skills, other people get a chance to shine. Be sure you're doing the same thing here. And if the NPC, you know, famous character, does not have a weakness that would make them stumble, nothing's stopping you from inventing one. Maybe Vader has a phobia of boat rides that just never came up in the movies. I'm being silly, but you get the point. Uh, for example, in that Battletech game... There's another somewhat famous mech warrior, though I guess actually more than an individual. It's a title that gets passed down, which is the Bounty Hunter. And it's in the Battletech canon that there was a battle where the Bounty Hunter betrayed and defeated Natasha Kerensky in combat. In fact, the mech that he pilots used to be hers. And the way that I had written this plot, he was present as a side NPC. He was possibly a resource the party could have used, but when they chose to side with Natasha, he actually became something between a friendly competitor and a villain. And something that I wrote into the game is that because she had been defeated by him, though she would never admit this in a million years, deep down she's afraid of him. He makes her insecure. He makes her hesitate. And so as a result, whenever he was around, she would withdraw a bit. I mean, she'd always try to hide it, but it was there. She would tell the player characters to step up and take care of the situation. And she was playing it off like she was trying to test them, or I have so much faith in you that I believe you can take on this famous guy. But in truth, she was stumbling. She was dealing with a fear. She was dealing with a real human weakness that manifested in the game. It wasn't just some flaw that made her cooler. It was something that actually set her back. And suggestion number eight, and this is kind of an optional one because it may not be necessary depending on how well you do points of advice one through seven here, but suggestion number eight is have the NPC be a fan of or focused on the player characters. 
yes, I know this person is totally kick-ass in the books or whatever, but it's okay for them in turn to be a fan of or to be dependent upon the player characters. There's a reason why this person wants them present. There's a reason why this person's relying on them. Look, if you love character X so much that they're just the biggest, baddest thing in the world, you've got a poster of them in your bedroom or whatever, and you really want to communicate that to the party, then how much cooler would it be if this person turns and looks at the player characters and says, you know what? I respect you guys. I like you guys. And this was something that I wrote into the Battletech game. The player characters had a history of contracts and accomplishments up to the point where they decided to join up with the Black Widow Battalion. So I wrote in that these people, including Natasha herself, were aware of the party's accomplishments and respected them as a result. So, you know, you guys got here on your own. Okay, we may be badasses, but so are you. And so we believe that you can handle this and we're going to respect you. You know, it's not just a matter of the GM gushing over this famous character, but in instead, in addition to being kept in their proper perspective, this character is paying respect to and at times is even sort of stepping aside to or deferring to the player characters. So that was how I made it work. I'd love to hear your suggestions as well. As always, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on the forums, hit us up on the blog. We have lots of places where you guys can reach us, and we'd love to hear from you in any of them. And we will be back in just a matter of days or maybe a week or so at most here with an interview with a gentleman who helped develop D&D 5th Edition. And so hopefully we should have some good information for you there and some good love for the most popular role-playing game in the world. So thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, DrewCon, if you can send something their way to help them out, please do. And beyond that... Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2015. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor, as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.